Welcome to the Millennials Unpublished Podcast, where we talk about everything from gaps in the literature to gaps in society. Thank you for joining us for another episode. This is Jaslyn. And this is Darren. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I hope y'all are feeling good. I hope y'all are soaking up the rays. The sunshine. You know, the sunshine, blue skies. We've been blessed with some glorious weather. So <laughs> Blessed <laughs> with a tea. With a tea, yeah. A blessed, yeah. So... I'm I'm living. How are you, Jaslyn? I'm good. I have a lot on my plate. Um, I'm actually heading to New York this week to find an apartment, and Uh-oh. I'm beginning Fair. the early stages of a dissertation things. So casual. <laughs> wow, I, oh, I'm casual. Cool. <laughs> How about you? I'm good. My um, my neck got hurt for a little bit, but now it's starting to feel better. So I'm really glad that my neck is starting to feel better. Um, I've been really happy. I've been social distancing and seeing friends, um, which has been really nice to have social interaction since I live alone. Mm. Mostly good things. Been eating good, been feeling good. <laughs> Went to protest for Black trans lives. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, good good stuff. I was about to say another word, but we don't use that language. Good stuff. Uh, okay, well, since <laughs> since we don't use that language, well, I'll just go ahead and mosey on over to our next segment. This week, we have something a little bit different for everyone. We went into the archives and found a conversation we wanted to share. <laughs> the archives from May, actually, from May. And this is a conversation, uh, and it kind of shed some light on how we put content together, how we're inspired. Um, I believe I had watched a For Harriet video and I was proposing a conversation surrounding it and then it turned into (laughs) a whole conversation. A whole conversation. (laughs) We outlined some definitions and our understandings and um, pinpointed some problematic occurrences surrounding elitism and clout chasing in the black community. Yeah. So hope you enjoyed it. And ooh, child, hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here you go. Context for this upcoming topic under review is I had just watched a For Harriet patrons only video um, with that in mind that it was behind a paywall. I won't give too much away, but basically Kimberly Foster was interviewing one of her friends. She also went to Harvard with her undergrad and um, they were both just kind of counting their career moves afterwards. And the friend had discussed the situation in which she had considered going back to school to get an MBA. And she was only considering like Ivy League schools. Uh, Her mindset was that, you know, I have Harvard, so I'm not going to go anywhere else that's not up to that caliber. And someone who does um, academic advising had expressed to her that basically she didn't actually want to go to school to get the information behind an MBA. She just wanted a fancy degree so this is the conversation we had about that conversation you're like yeah if it's not going to advance me I'm just not going to do it like at this point I have Harvard on my CV like the one girl worked for the NFL for a while and she had her own business for a hot minute so it was this thing where she was just like like if it's not going to like help me 
I'm not going to do it. And I was like, well, I also think there's like a touch of elitism going on in here, but I just wanted to know what you're <laughs> I said a touch. A touch, a sprinkle. I mean, I guess, yeah, it is elitism, but I also think too, like, it is kind of true that people do get more um, legitimacy to people who go to those schools. Like, I want to do air quotes, like those schools. <laughs> okay. So like, I... I, I feel like if she's going to it because she knows that, like, she'll get the benefit of it afterwards, it makes sense. Um, because I think, it, I think it also depends on your discipline, too. Because if you're doing a PhD program, which she's not, but if you are, like, you might want to work with a certain person and they could be at any school in, like, the entire exactly. country. They could, and if you, there's so many yeah. in the West, yeah. Yeah, so if you are really interested in their school of thought, it makes sense to go to, like, whatever school they're at. Um, like, and then that will be the best experience for you. But if you just want to have, like, a super shiny business degree, I think you, you want to get the one that, you know, sparkles the most. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's what I, people, the yeah. thing that the person was saying, I completely agree. They were just like, you don't actually want to go to business school. Like, you're not going to get the information from business school. You're yeah. going to have the business. And she kind of felt personally attacked. And I was like, no, that's... It's true. I, I think they read you right. Like, you just wanted the degree. Like, And she was like, well, then, I mean, if I can just get the, the degree online, I'm just not going to go. And I was like, okay, so what what is this grad school? Did you just want to go to grad school to go to grad school? Like I'm I'm confused. So I don't know. That was just something that um I was listening to and I was just like, yeah, I actually should have just played the few minutes for you so you could listen to the conversation. I can do Maybe. that too if you want. Um yeah. but it is a Patreon only thing, so I don't uh -oh. want to. Oh yeah, like put out their content. It's paid content, and so I'm just gonna leave it be. But that's yeah. what they. But that's what I, yeah, I guess people just have different motivations for school. Like some people just want to get a, a grad degree because a lot of jobs require it, so they're like, "Let me just do it." Some people actually really want to like learn about something and use it to better them, and like some people, I feel like, want to have like the clout associated with the degree you know, to like get opportunities. And I think all of those things are valid, but it didn't seem like she knew what she wanted. <laughs> uh, well, that's the whole nature of the conversation up until that point too, was them talking about growing up and then getting into Harvard and how people perceive them and how like they kind of fed off of how we kind of shun away and shudder away from like people like hyping us up and sizing us because we are at the schools we're at, they fed into that. Like, that's what kept them alive. And they admitted to the fact that they would choose to or not to pursue something based on if there was a risk of them not being the best. If they weren't going to be the best, they didn't do it. And I was like, I, I don't think I ever, I've ever, like, approached life that way. Yeah. But they said that looking back, they, at least one of them said that they regret that because they there's a lot of stuff they didn't do because they were like, if I look at it and wait and I'm not going to be the best or one of the best, I'm not touching it. Yeah. I think that's just clout chasing. Like you said a while back, <laughs> <laughs> like that's just literally what it is. Like, and I feel like it's probably not even just for school. It could be for like the best apartment, the best car, mm -hmm. the best man, if they're straight mm -hmm. or a date man, <laughs> mm -hmm. the best partner. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just very interesting. Cause I feel like, quote-unquote smart kids get lumped into the same category but they're a different kind like I feel like somehow we get lumped with them because of what we're doing but 
we don't have the same mentality, I think. I can speak for myself and say I don't have that same mentality when it comes to school and like academics and stuff. Like I've never approached it as I'm only going to do the things that I think I'll succeed at and then can like take it and get social like reinforcement and have this weird feedback loop, you know? Yeah, I agree. I try to generally just like ground stuff in in intention. So like even when I approached um, applying to grad schools, I didn't even really look at schools. I looked at labs. (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what school they were a part of for the most part. And then like I let the lab and the work drive what school I wanted to apply to. for Penn, I was literally like working at Penn, which is why I was proximal to faculty who were there. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I didn't really think about how people would view me afterwards um, all that much. <laughs> That's me though. I don't know. <laughs> I, I never think about what what I'm doing, how other people are going to see that. That's the last thing on my mind if it's ever on my mind. So it was just interesting to see a conversation between two high achieving women. I, I just, I don't know, I wonder too if it like, if it is their, not, you, you didn't say it was their, their fault, but like how much of their individual, like agency goes into that because I do think that we're socialized to, you know, respond to that. You know, like when you get straight A's, people shout you out. Like when you do super well in school, like you, you, you have access to better opportunities. Like usually when you do well in quotes, Supposedly. Like you're rewarded more. Yeah, supposedly. And that's where the quotes came from. (laughs) Yeah, supposedly. I think it's mediated by, like, some other factors, like race. Um, (laughs) But supposedly when you do well, you're supposed to to get things. So, like, if someone, I guess, wants to, to, I guess, have access to to the best or things that are perceived as well, like, maybe they're doing that so they can get more of that social feedback. Like, I don't know. I, I... I guess I'm just like... I think it's similar to like, I heard someone talking about this where like comedians, a lot of the times, like their motivation comes from the audience, like are people around them who are laughing and are entertained by their jokes. And like, there's been a few stories of comedians who become like very depressed or even suicidal when they're not surrounded by that. So I think the other end of that is like, is that your only driving force? Like, are you being motivated by the approval of other people? And... If so, is it to a healthy degree? Because if it's at the point where you don't do anything and you don't exist outside of people's gaze, ah, that, what happens when people aren't watching or people aren't supporting what you do? Like, what does that do to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. They just need to cultivate that inner life. Like, (laughs) you know, disidentify with the external, you know, have intrinsic motivation for things and like ground themselves in intention about why they're doing what they're doing rather than sort of like how it's perceived but But they seem mad comfortable with it so i'm (laughs) i'm not saying nothing to like i'm not judging them i'm just saying me and my life that's not how i roll yeah i don't know i'm like i'm not judging them proceeds to judge them So again, I was listening to a podcast, I believe, and they were talking about, no, this is still for Harry, and they were talking about the guy, you know, the guy that posted that he's the prize, you know him, the law graduate, that guy, have you heard of him? No. Within the last couple of weeks, some black man graduated from law school, and he was posting about how he's the prize now, like, black women need to, like, respect him, and, like, you know, he's one of the few educated Uh black men out there doing a thing. Meanwhile, he's failed his bar. He, um... 
but basically he made a post about the fact that like he's the prize and like everyone better bow down and said some very disrespectful things but with that came like this discussion about how there's a lot of boy-centered programming and uplifting that goes on when it comes Mm -hmm. to like youth programming so like what is it my brother's keeper or something I don't know what it's called but like during the Obama administration he started some stuff and like there's a lot of discussion about how the focus is on like uplifting boys but then also at the same time the bar is very low like they were having that discussion I was just like (laughs) well I mean and so when someone graduates law school you see where like the energy would come from behind a post like I he literally said I am the prize like Um, I am the prize and like the internet blew up yeah and so I was just like what (laughs) yeah it's weird I've seen those like Instagram posts on like the shade room where it will be like three or four different like black men and like you can like swipe mm-hmm. it and it'll be like one like height like six one like two like no kids like three like college <laughs> just like what okay. like i just it's kind of weird like are we doing this to black men like <laughs> are we doing this to ourselves like like i just, <laughs> I, just was I didn't know how to feel about it i was like this seems like oddly reductive like i don't no, know it, the directionality like, that's the thing like i think everybody feeds into it and then at the same time they're like oh well then also on top of it then like black women have these like high standards for men but like they don't they don't think about like the systemic pressures and whatever and i'm like okay like but we're all black so yeah <laughs> so like I, there's just so much to unpack there but that's less so it's still a conversation about academia because we have to we can talk about how black men black straight men black queer men like get to move through the academy versus how black women do and why they're exceptionalized and like all those sorts of things like the conversation he brought up like other black men are in prison other black men are this like (laughs) he was really leaning into those like statistics about black men as a reason as to why he needs to be celebrated and respected and revered for his accomplishment of graduating <laughs> law school, even though he did not pass his bar, <laughs> failed his bar. So are you really a lawyer? No, you can't practice anywhere. Stop. <laughs> are you really? He set himself up though. Like I wouldn't have cared <laughs> if he passed the bar or not, but if you're yeah. gonna be out here, loud you shouldn't be wrong you're loud yeah. and wrong and so I, now we just call you out i do think it like ties into like i guess like broader societal themes um i'm just trying to think of like like the nuance of it or examples because i'm Let me like see if I, I can find this, the post and I'll send yeah because i'm like this man because i don't really i don't honestly don't know that many straight black men at penn in general well we go to interesting schools so yeah <laughs> It's, it's just an interesting topic because a lot of people judge you for a place that you're in. And it's interesting to hear like different people's sort of perspective on that place. Like those women, they went to Harvard for undergrad and we're here in grad school. This guy, I don't know where he went, but he got a law degree. So 
that's the end all be all. So it's just very interesting to sort of unpack the ways in which like people think about the prestige of a degree, the prestige of an institution and what that means for them during before, during and after, because you could go in thinking that this Ivy league degree is going to open up doors and then you get out and it opens no doors. That's, that's some, that's like, that's something that you need to think about. Cause like you said, like if you chose not to go to a school that, um, had the better mentor, but it was a state school, You and you went to the Ivy League because you thought it was going to be better for you, it, it may not actually be the case. You know, you, you made that point before. Yeah. I don't. I feel like I don't there have any go. anxiety um, recording anymore. I feel like it went away for the most part. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, you just, you know, you just start recording. <laughs> like, yeah. So what is clout, what is a clout chaser? Negative connotation attached to it and generally defined as the act of an individual inauthentically attaching themselves to people or things for their own self-interest in the hopes of gaining increased notoriety or popularity. You know they thought about that so hard. In the workplace, such actions may fall under the title of brown-nosing. Nevertheless, both phrases have um, equally unfavorable undertones. So I think it's more than that. Do you want to, like... Are we going to give our own definition or do you want to yes, like read it? Yes, because this definition is not it. sufficient. Yeah. Because he's, I think he's missing a lot of things because clout chasing could is just simply like doing what you think is popular. It doesn't even have to be about feeding off of other people or riding the coattails of other people. Like people talk about clout chasing all the time when people like go and buy certain clothes or they dress certain ways or they talk like... Clout chasing is like a relatively new term. I, for me, it falls underneath the umbrella of elitism. And it's like a new, is it new age elitism where it's like you see people in a certain group or who function and exist in certain ways and you want to be like them because in a sense they are elite. So you're chasing their clout. Like for me, like they, they all like tie together. Oh, see, I don't, I don't, I don't take it. You're chasing their clout. Because for someone to have clout, they need to be someone, have something, exist in certain ways in which people value and is like, like it's valuable enough that like a lot of people want to become that. So I'm like, oh, it's like you're an elite person. It's like elitism. Like you're chasing, you want to become elite. It's the act of trying to become elite, clout chasing. (laughs) The act of trying to become elite. I, for me, I think about cloud chasing just as like doing stuff so, so that you can get like positive social be- feedback from other people. Like you just want to look cool. Like you want cloud. Yeah. Like that's what it is for me. But I don't know if like, I guess, yeah, it could be, I like the elite part is like, I don't know if it means you want to necessarily be better than other people in my, in my understanding of it. I just think it's like you want to be liked by other people. Like you want to well, be so like adored by other people. You want that, you want like people cloud. are a small group of people group of powerful people that hold a disproportionate amount of wealth, privilege, political power, and skill in a society. And when we think about people that are clout chasing, are they not trying to be like those people that have that disproportionate amount of, and in today's age, that's like followers on Instagram. Like you're like, you want to be in that minority, right? Yeah. You're trying to get there. So clout chasing. I think it's the chase though. Like, I guess maybe the, is it the chase for it? Elitism is, I don't know, the chase for elitism? That, does, that doesn't feel, don't feel right. It's the quest for elitism. But I think, I guess it's just missing, like, I feel like elitism, though, 
I guess it it it, 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 it exists within social influence. So like people who are elite, people. But I think the thing is that people who are elite, people see them to be elite. Um, mm-hmm. Versus like clout chasing, like you you you're not seen to be there. So you're you're, you're trying to get. So it's like you you actively want to be pr- seen as maybe. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Doing, okay. Yeah, I think I, that's why I said I think they go hand in hand. Where like clout chasing is like the act of trying to become an elite person in whatever sphere that you're trying to accomplish that. Yeah, in. does guess, that make sense? Yeah, it does. Elite to me though feels a bit narrow because I think people who clout chase, like I don't know if they necessarily want to get to like the very top because a lot of people who clout chase just I feel like they do the same shit that other people do. Like, you they know, they like, want to emulate, like, but the thing yeah. is that they're not trying to emulate something that's bummy. Like, no, they want, like, clout chasing is used when someone is trying to be, like, a lot of times what we know of, like, someone who's a celebrity. Like, you're trying yeah. to do things that mirror... But, like, are celebrities elites? In our society, yes. They have okay. wealth, they have privilege, political power, uh, skill. Yeah, yeah. Mimicking, mirroring... Um, like you're you're trying in some way shape or form you're trying yeah. to be that person yeah i i i mostly like agree, agree with that but i'm thinking about like just like elite things like i don't know sort of like dining like fine dining and i'm like is someone who clout, who clout chases like are they going to be trying i guess maybe they'll be trying to go to like the best restaurants for well that's why i said in in whatever specific realm that it that you're clout chasing cuz there's like food food foodies that are like clout chasers they're yeah. trying to yeah do you think we need to have it referentially like i guess it could help like to to compare it to elitism or can clout chasing just be its own thing can we just be like this is what clout like and not center elitism in our definition of clout chasing by having it referential to it but being like people who clout chase might try to do things that like make them look then what is clout chasing what is i think it's its own thing it is well that's what i'm asking you i'm asking what is it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i yeah, I guess it's those things. I guess in my mind, I'm just like, it, it's not necessarily... A, when I think about elite, I think about someone who wants to be like like fine dining and they want... But that's the, why I said it's a new... Like I'm saying like in our current... What makes like, it different? Yeah, what makes I'm it different? I'm saying this is like our version of like elitism or like, you know, like I think in our day and age, this is what sort of elite and elitism is. Like it's just sort of like, it's wrapped around like... We, we talk about, it. I feel like that's what clout chasing is hearkening to. It's like, it's talking about what was formerly the elite, our new elite. Like, if you look at our social landscape, like, this is what is in, this is what's popular. And people, like, yeah. who's going to tell you? Um, what makes it different, though? Like, what makes clout ch- chasing di- different from just wanting to become elite? I honestly don't think it's different. I think it's like it's our generation's sort of, it's our generation's deal with like being elite. Does that make so sense? It's, a, it's, yeah, a, it's, so it's a, just a, yeah. it's like our conceptualization of it. Like at the end of the day, I feel like it has a lot of yeah. very similar roots. It's not the same thing. I, I completely agree. Cause like, if I think of just about elitism, I think of fine dining. I think about living in a certain zip yeah. code about having access to like political, like I, I see, I think Jack and Jill, 
Like, I... Yeah, I think it's something about, like, the ordinary person going for those things. Like, this ordinary, like, arbitrary person. Because I think you can be born into... Well, Madam C.J. Walker was an ordinary person, and she was clout chasing. She wanted to be... Like, I'm reading her book now. Like, she was actively... She was a regular person actively trying to become a Black... I think there's something about being regular, because I think there's something about elitism is, like, this this history of, of you just staying elite. Like, you can be born into an elitism and do nothing <laughs> like it doesn't seem as actionable well that's like, why they're related like it's it, yeah, yeah that's no, exactly no, you're, saying. you're right no you're absolutely I right it the, is a regular person regular person yep and it's i think it's just this actionable thing it's like it's the action that's the the, the chasing that's that's the part of it you're not there you're, you're in the process of doing it you're not quite there yet it's the process of it's, it's the, the process oh. yeah <laughs> So this week for our word on the street, we are going to talk about the controversy. Would you call it a controversy? It was just messiness, I feel like. It was just messy. Also, I don't know why anyone's surprised because I think we all knew this already to some extent. Yeah, that's how I felt. But um, August Alsina's, what is it, romance with Jada Pinkett Smith has been exposed to the streets. Yeah, there was Um, an NDA. There was an NDA. Um, For those of you who don't know, she is married to Will Smith. Mm. But as far as I know, it's public knowledge that they have an open marriage. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I I thought everyone knew. So this was a very interesting um, second round of surprise. Like, I I don't know what to call it. But there were a few things that kind of jumped out when we were hearing about all this it's the conversation surrounding polyamory and then there's also the conversation surrounding um jada pinkett smith's age august alcina's mental health at the time and whether or not we would feel differently if the roles were reversed and august was older and in the position of being a mentor did you know about all that darren or should i, I didn't think like... about all that this is all news to me. <laughs> okay, so around what age is um jada pinkett smith oh she's grown i don't know i want to say she's like in her 40s august was mm-hmm. um 22 or 23 when they met and he was in a really bad place his um his sister oh. passed away and he he went to the couple to seek mentorship and then that turned into a um oh, like a, a romantic fling? relationship yeah how do you feel about it because like i i think you know more about it than me so i'm gonna ask you first uh i mean i literally just <laughs> found all this out like two days ago but oh, no. um <laughs> uh for me i think it's important that especially um I don't want to say after the Me Too movement, but the conversations that have come out from the Me Too mm-hmm. movement of understanding power and autonomy. Like, just because someone's an adult doesn't necessarily mean in every context, like, that autonomy is upheld and respected. So, okay. in this situation, you could say that Jada is someone who has more power. She has more means, she has more access, she's also older. Um, And August was in a very bad place emotionally. And if it were a man who had taken on this role as a mentor and Jada was this young girl going through it, just trying to find her way in the world, and it turned into this uh, romantic relationship, I think it would be cause for concern. And I think we need to do, um, we need to 
hold everyone accountable in all situations, regardless of uh, the gender of the people at play, right? So I do think it's problematic that he came to them as someone seeking help and mentorship and support and all of that. And it, it, it escalated into this romantic relationship. It's for me, it's problematic. How about you? Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Like I didn't know that element of it. So I didn't really have like any thoughts beforehand, I guess, like coming into it on it. Um, Yeah. I guess if someone is in a vulnerable population, like it, it could be difficult for them. I mean, I guess I just don't know the details. So Hopefully, I hope that he was in a good place if this did happen and everyone was like willing participants and that was the case. You're shaking your head now. <laughs> I, I, it's not even about like being a willing part. You can be a willing participant and still be in a bad place. Like just because yeah. you agree to do something doesn't necessarily mean that you're in the best place and you're making that decision um, soundly necessarily. So like I, I think of it like therapists who start relationships with their patients like that's inappropriate um and so if he went to her as like a spiritual like emotional like therapist in that sense and it turned into this I have a problem with that because that person was in a bad place and they came seeking help and it became a relationship yeah but since she isn't a therapist like what if she just was like being a normal person and just like trying to help so yeah it it doesn't matter (laughs) like if i if i were to be like there are lots of people who capitalize on the fact that people are in a bad place um and i think it's harder to see when the people aren't minors right um you you can be an adult and still be in a bad place where someone can still take advantage of you but i feel like that's making her out to be someone who was doing that you know where like i don't know what the intention was or how it progressed so like just because of like the age difference and like maybe potential power elements because of age i don't know if she well not because of just age it's not just age she Mm -hmm. she's an established woman in the industry she does have august was just starting his career Uh, what Um, does he do He is a singer. He's an R&B singer. Uh, That's important to know. He had just, like, come on the scene. Like, he was new. He didn't. And he was also going through things. So it was like, she actually does have power in the sense of she's influential. She knows people. She has money. All that sort of stuff. That's what I mean by power. Not even age in the sense of, oh, it's this older woman and this younger man. Um, Because, again, they're both... Yeah, because like, like the- consenting age, but for me, it's whenever I hear about people being in a vulnerable place and some sort of a relationship comes out of it, I guess it's um, yeah, so that's my thing where it's like he came, he he's he, in an interview and he was talking about how he went to them, he sought both of them out as people to lean uh, on while he was emotionally distressed. Like, I didn't know he was not happened. in a good place. Um, he, I just saw a headline that just said basically. Um, like Jada Pinkett Smith affair with August and like August saying that he had Will Smith's permission, which is very problematic because like, why would he need like a man's permission to be engaged with Jada? (laughs) So that's what I was thinking about when I approached talking about this. Well, I mean, we can talk about that. Oh yeah. I I, I don't know. We can, but I was just very confused. And then I was just like, she about to take herself to the red table. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then she did. <laughs> so I had life for that. So that's all I knew about it. I didn't know about like this whole other power dynamic and like that he was going through stuff. My thoughts are more so like, I think it's very problematic the way that this is framed, saying that August needed someone else's permission to talk to Jada. And I also thought too, it was common knowledge that like Will and Jada it seemed as though they had like an open relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came out, I kind of kept scrolling a bit because I was just like, I thought we knew that they were. Yeah, you know, I didn't pay open. it much mind either <laughs> yeah. until a couple of days ago when I saw mm. something that caught my eye and I was like, oh, I don't like, I would want to hold a man accountable for engaging in a romantic relationship with someone who came and sought help from them. Gotcha. So I'm going yeah. to hold a woman accountable as well because that's just not for me it doesn't sit well and I also I I don't want to create these double standards where women are just allowed to do whatever they want without being interrogated yeah that makes sense I want to see the red tabletop (laughs) I I want no parts (laughs) I want no parts uh it's interesting though because I mean I don't watch red table talks that's what it's called yeah um but for someone who has this platform where it's about releasing and being honest and doing whatever, it's interesting that, because this isn't the first time that this has come up. Apparently he's made a song that was about her and had like some supposed text messages and showing like gifts of her and stuff. Like he's tried to like bring this up before. I'm surprised that she hasn't been open and honest about this and allowed him to have the space to talk about this relationship with her when she has a whole show about living in your truth. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know about any of this, so... (laughs) I'm just like, wow, this is news to me. (laughs) But... But yeah, no, I definitely want to hear your thoughts about the way everything was framed. The framing? Um, I guess my thoughts on the framing... I have like a whole bunch of different thoughts, to be honest. My biggest point was just, it, it just felt strange that um, it, it seemed to be public knowledge that someone, that they were in, a, in an open relationship. And I feel like that wasn't something that really um, people understood because if you knew that they were in an open relationship and there's like a third person or a fourth or something else, like why is this surprising? Like, I feel like we were looking at it, we um, being like the public is kind of looking at it through the lens of like monogamy. And I think like a lot of different uh, media, television shows, books focuses on this idea of there being two people in a committed relationship. And then as a plot moving point, there's like the third person, oh my gosh, and they cheated on it. And it's like so interesting and we love this drama and we invest in it. And we know the Shade Room and Hollywood Insider like perpetuate that. So mm-hmm. when I was thinking through that as someone who like thinks that poly relationships are valid, who thinks that like flexible relationships are valid who thinks that like multiple people can be in love at once as well or interact with each other. Like, I think that's valid. It just wasn't alarming to me. So when I saw it, I was like, what? And then I had to like think about my position and the ways that I think about like relationships and see relationships to understand that like, maybe this is really egregious or like super shock factor to a lot of people because they don't necessarily see these different relationships or understand when someone says that they're an open relationship, what that really means. <laughs> like, I think they might yeah. be casting their world onto that. So that was my thoughts about the framing off the cuff, but I was just a little confused. <laughs> no, all of it was confusing to me. And I, again, like, why? Why are we doing this? But uh, yeah, I think there needs to be, I mean, it's, it's an end. Again, it's about the fact that even if someone cherishes monogamous relationships, like, 
the existence of poly relationships does not take away from your monogamous relationship. So understanding and respecting and making space for people's other relationships that aren't like yours um, is important. So then we don't freak out when people reveal things like this. Yeah, and in <laughs> institution of marriage as well. Like, I think I saw a clip from Red Table Talk where Jada was like, we're going to be together. You could be on this side of your house with, with your person and I could be on this side of my house with my person, but we're going to be together. And I, I take that as her defining what marriage is for her, which she should be able to, which everyone should be able to. Everyone so does. Yeah, and um, everyone does. So, like, I think people have, like, a, a constructed idea of what a marriage means. It's, like, monogamy. It's man, women. Um, it's, like, you know, all these different things. But mm-hmm. I think she's deconstructing that. And she's a Black woman deconstructing that as well. Um, and I say that because I think it's important to like put respect on her name for that because she's pushing yes. that. Um, she also she- has a lot of <laughs> privilege. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> like, true. Uh, would it be received or even discussed or entertained if any other non-celebrity, non-traditionally attractive Black woman was in the streets talking about her poly relationship? No. <laughs> I just, I, I guess that's true. I just want to put respect on Jada's name because I love Red Table Talk and I've seen so many of them and I feel like she's been at the forefront of so many of these different issues. I know with like Jesse Smollett in that situation, she had Don Lemon on and that was one of the few mainstream, I don't even know if Red Table Talk is mainstream, I consider it mainstream. But it mainstream, absolutely is. <laughs> okay, true. But mainstream places where I saw like a Black queer voice, you know, I, when there was that breakdown between Gail King and like Snoop Dogg, like the conversation with Snoop Dogg was housed there. Like she's been like a front runner and bringing a lot of black voices up. So I just wanted to put respect on her name. Like, but also think that what you're saying like about the situation and how she may have gone about dealing with, um, obviously it's problematic. Um, so I just question marks. Question marks, uh, yeah. So should we, should we, should we end it here? Should we? I think so. Um, Thank you for joining us for another episode of Millennials Unpublished. Tune in each week as we all figure out life together. Please continue to rate, subscribe, write a review, and share the podcast. And if you like what you're hearing, please shout us out on Instagram at Millennials Unpublished. That's with two L's and two N's. I'm at Darren27. And I'm at Jaunty Jazz. Thank you again. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.